1: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
0: Glad you're with us on this Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And all of it is brought to you by CarShield. CarShield.com. And then use the promo code Martini to save 10%. CarShield. Dot com. A little bit more on them in just a moment. Uh, Jim, as we speak today, we are one day away from getting the remnants of tropical storm slash hurricane Isaias. I'm just going to call it Isis. It's that it's close enough. <laughs> it's, it, it's horrible. We want it to go away. Let's just
1: stick with that. And hopefully we don't get flooded out tomorrow, but we're supposed to get about half a foot of rain. So that ought to be fun. I note that I am the last person in the world who should make fun of hard to pronounce names. But I saw that I was like, oh, it's probably some alternative spelling of Isaiah. No, it has like 14 different silent vowels in there that you didn't recognize. You're, you're supposed to pronounce the ones you don't see. Don't pronounce the ones you see. It's very complicated. We're just going to call it the hurricane. <laughs> much like Washington has the football team.
0: Anyway, hope everybody's uh, staying safe. It's supposed to make landfall in the Carolinas and then move all the way up the East Coast. So a lot of folks in the path. Uh, don't do anything crazy. And, and we'll hopefully be on the other side of this without too much damage. Um uh, in, in, a, in a day or two here. But, uh, Jim, let's talk about our good martini, and that is that there might be a solution on the TikTok front. Not everybody loves this idea. I'm seeing Jim Cramer over at CNBC uh, wringing his hands over this. But uh, TikTok is generally seen by privacy experts as a way to mine data, and it goes into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party, something we certainly don't want. But on the other hand, lots of teenagers like to dance and record it and send it to their friends. And so, you know, when you have Huge priorities that clash like that and, and, and one really can't take precedence over the other. You have to find a way around it. If I'm sounding like I'm dripping with sarcasm, I am. But nonetheless, uh, we might have a way around this because people seem to like this app. CNBC says that Microsoft on Sunday confirmed that it has held talks with a Chinese technology company called ByteDance to acquire its trendy social app TikTok in the U.S. Microsoft said it in a statement that it'll keep working with the U.S. government on a deal and that it intends to conclude talks by September 15th. It's kind of nice that they've got till September 15th because that's exactly how much time Trump has given ByteDance to cut a deal with Microsoft. So that's that's the reason for the goal by September 15th. In the perfect world here, Jim, uh, the free market would work. Microsoft buys this. We don't have the privacy concerns, and everybody keeps dancing.
1: Yeah. Now, for those who have not followed this, and and this may involve the president who apparently – uh, in remarks on Air Force One called it Tic Tac. Relax, everyone. Your breath mints are safe. No one's going to ban your Tic Tacs, um, nor the game Tic Tac Toe. No, so what the problem is, there, you know, besides, first of all, this is owned by a Chinese company. Now, as we know, this is not, uh, there's no such thing as an independent Chinese company. If the Chinese government wants that data, the Chinese government is going to get that data. And apparently, as you're using TikTok to upload all of your, your you know, happy little videos of yourself dancing, It basically reads any text that resides on your clipboards, which is what your computer or your phone are using as a device to store data, cut and copied from things like password managers and email programs or things like that. So for no understandable reason, every 15 seconds or so, TikTok takes what's on your notepad and uploads it back to their central server. Nothing to worry about, right? You know, it just kind of seems really, no one's really understood why this is. My suspicion is that the Chinese have figured out by getting teenagers to dance, we can get access to just about all the data on everybody's phones. If the NSA doing this sort of thing freaked you out, the Chinese government having the potential to do this should freak you out. This, however, led to Joy Reid of MSNBC saying over the weekend that Trump wanted to ban TikTok because teenagers had used it to make false uh, requests for tickets to his rally in Tulsa. Right, right. There's nothing involving Chinese security and, and you know privacy concerns whatsoever. No, 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 no. There's nothing there. Look, if this deal goes through, and all the boxes are checked and all the details are squared away, this could be a good solution. This could uh, prevent you know people who've come to enjoy using TikTok they won't lose it. Uh, the security concerns will be taken care of. This is you know the kind of solution you're you're looking for. By the way, I, I'm very intrigued by this idea that TikTok is some irreplaceable form of social media. And in fact, apparently already some young folks have already started looking towards alternatives under the fear that it could be banned. And by the way, apparently uh, Peter Navarro and the presidents both prefer the option of outright banning it. But the idea where basically people get to keep using the app that they like, the privacy concerns are taken care of, the issue of, of Chinese ownership is resolved, and hey, Microsoft gets this new app that all the kids like. Hey, there are much worse solutions than to come up with that one.
0: If that goes through, uh, you won't have to worry as much about your data online. Obviously, there's still other threats out there, but that's one headache you can uh, put behind you. There's other headaches out there you can deal with, too, and that includes avoiding massive car repair bills. And that's where CarShield comes in. You know, computer systems in cars are the new normal. It's not just a matter of taking time on the weekend to slide under the car and, and fix what's wrong mechanically, because from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. Uh, the vehicles are just made in a different way, and oftentimes you have to take it in to the technicians at the dealership or somewhere else uh, to really get it fixed. It's not something you can necessarily do yourself anymore. Uh, so when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune, and now is definitely not the time for expensive repairs. But the good news is you don't have to have expensive repairs because you can get Car CarShield.
1: CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand that payment flexibility is an absolute must these days. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 per month. No long-term contracts or commitments. And CarShield gives you options that other companies won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while your car is being fixed. CarShield
0: has helped more than 1 million customers. So drive with confidence knowing that you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 per month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention the code MARTINI or visit carshield.com and use the code MARTINI to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MARTINI. A deductible may apply. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention the code MARTINI or visit carshield.com and use the code MARTINI to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MARTINI. A deductible may apply. All right, Jim. Big government rearing its head again, uh, this time with a couple of stories with local interest here in the Washington, D.C. area. One that got a ton of outrage and is still getting outrage, but uh, was announced, uh, I believe, very late last week. Kind of the Friday news dump type thing. Maybe they thought some folks wouldn't notice. But this is from WTOP. Non-public schools meaning private schools and religious schools, in Montgomery County, Maryland, are ordered to remain closed for in-person instruction through October 1st. Montgomery County, Maryland, Health Officer Dr. Travis Gales announced the health directive to be effective immediately, citing the need to protect the safety of parents, students, and teachers amid the COVID-19 pandemic as the reason for the order. In a statement, Gales said, quote, At this point, the data does not suggest that in-person instruction is safe for students or teachers. The order includes but is not limited to all private pay schools, schools affiliated with religious institutions or schools that are otherwise considered to be independent, meaning from the government. Gale says he will reevaluate, re-evaluate the order before October 1st to determine if it should be extended, terminated or amended. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who gave this power to the county, says he strongly disagrees with it uh, and we'll see what he actually does about it. Not to be outdone, Jim, you and I can't take our families out for a stroll in Arlington County, Virginia anymore. This is from uh, the local NBC channel. Residents in Arlington County can now face up to a $100 fine if they are caught congregating on streets and sidewalks in groups of more than three people. The Arlington County Board adopted an emergency ordinance Friday prohibiting groups from gathering on city streets. The board cited difficulties with voluntary compliance of social distancing orders so jim we have families of four i don't know which kid gets left at home but uh or you just avoid arlington but in both of these situations the government is just decided it's got this power let's see how far we can push it we'll see if anybody pushes back
1: oh greg i know exactly which kid gets left at home <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding but, okay, first of all, there you can find jurisdictions where elected lawmakers and, and city councilmen or county executives are living down to the lowest expectations of how they would use this newfound power and authority in times of a, a, a pandemic. The thing about the Arlington, uh, the idea of giving cops the authority to give people $100 fines just for walking down the street in groups of four you know, Greg, I'm just glad this is happening when public faith in the judgment of law enforcement has never been higher. <laughs> um, you know, if, if we've seen all these giant rallies of people saying, fund the police. Uh, and in fact, it probably this wonderful warm feelings between minority communities and cops. There's really no way this could go wrong. Right, Greg? The idea of giving cops the authority to, you know, any group of four walking down the street, allowing people to write. By the way, they didn't really specify. Is that 100 you split amongst the four or is that $100 per person? Ah, that's a good question. It did not say. Anyway, laying this out, I'm, I'm back to Montgomery County. Hogan's response strikes me as really significant. And I think Hogan may need to step in on this because if there's any Republican governor who you can argue has not downplayed this, the threat of this virus, or who has not uh, been blithe or, or you know, lackadaisical about this, it's Larry Hogan. Hogan has been, you know, talks about trying to get uh, extra equipment over from Korea and having his wife do the negotiation. I mean, so you can't argue that Hogan and you know, he's also, by the way, been very outspoken in his criticism of the president. So this idea that Hogan is some sort of, you know, denialist or some sort of reckless, uh, uh, you know, science denier or, or something like that is preposterous. He did leave it up to counties. And, you know, I, I think a county authority has every reason to say we're not opening up public schools because we're concerned about X, Y and Z. I think what's particularly bothersome about this particular regulation is that if you're a county and you want to you know, make sure that schools are safe, that you know, even private schools, what you can say is, all right, we want to have class sizes to be at this level. We'd like you to have you know, uh, all the kids wearing masks. We'd like to have hand washing. We'd like to have plastic partitions. There are a whole bunch of steps that you can take in order to increase the, the, to, or to minimize the risk to each student and to each teacher and each school administrator, each person in that school building. Montgomery County doesn't want any of that. It doesn't care about any of that. They're just flat out, you know, overstepping the boundaries of their authority and looks like schools and then, you know, forces on the on the Democratic Party have been vehemently opposed to school choice going back decades. This looks like another way of a state authority punishing private schools just for existing and trying to make it impossible. Um, look, you don't have to look hard to find parents of public school kids who are looking at this and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to get my kids back into school. The public schools are saying they don't want to reopen. In some cases, teachers unions are saying they don't want to reopen until there's a vaccine. And now you have this situation where lots of parents are saying, huh, maybe I better take a look at private school. Maybe that's an option that suddenly looks more valuable to me because the public schools are going to do this virtual stuff that I don't think is for serving my children very well. Well, you know, this is one way to make sure they don't go to the private schools and say, well, we're not going to allow you to open. This has all the ingredients of a really ugly fight you'd like to think the county executives would understand they're playing with fire here uh, Hopefully Hogan will be able to pick up the phone and you know arm twist them a bit um, otherwise this could end up with a you can just see the lawsuits being you know uh, hurled back and forth and you know taking a much longer time to get the kids back into any classroom of any kind.
0: All right, on to 4Patriots. Fantastic sponsor. Find them at 4Patriots.com slash Martini. Uh, The great deal going on right now, the free solar panel that comes with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and of course their ongoing deal, free shipping on orders over $97. The key is to be prepared. Uh, You don't know when your power is going out. When you're prepared, you don't have to wait for the power company to turn the the juice back on and your appliances can be running while everybody else is waiting on pins and needles. The new uh, Patriot Power Generator 2000X has double the capacity uh, and is expandable so you can run the big appliances. Comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC plus two USB C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster. Also, don't forget about the uh, deals that are ending soon uh, the Solar Go Fridge, the Sauna Wrap Therapeutic Blanket, and so much more. Visit 4 slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. Let's talk about our crazy martini now, Jim. And it is early August. It is the 3rd. And I believe we're exactly three months away from Election Day. And so if you look at the national polls, Biden is ahead. If you look at some of the battleground state polls, they're getting narrower, but uh, a lot of them, he holds a narrow lead. And so a lot of folks on the right saying, well, with the way Joe Biden has performed lately and his inability to spit out a sentence or remember where he is, you know, these debates could end up being really, really significant. And so that's Trump's great chance to catch up if uh, circumstances don't end up helping him as well. Well, that's if the debates actually happen, Jim. I believe we talked about this once before, but now the the drumbeat is continuing for scrapping the debates. This time it's in the pages. Big surprise of The New York Times. Elizabeth Drew in the opinion section says nervous managers of the scheduled 2020 presidential debates are shuffling the logistics and locations to deal with the threat of the coronavirus. But here's a better idea. Scrap them all together and not for health reasons. The debates have never made sense as the test for presidential leadership. In fact, one could argue they reward precisely the opposite of what we want in a president. When we were serious about the presidency, we wanted intelligence, thoughtfulness, knowledge, empathy, and to be sure, likability. It should also go without saying dignity. And now she says it's basically devolved into a bunch of uh, one-liners and it's like professional wrestling. Basically, her point as she gets in further into the piece is, you know, the debates helped Reagan because he had the line of there you go again. And then, of course, the quip about the age against Mondale. And darn it, Jim, we can't have these debates actually helping Republicans. But she goes on to say, thoroughly unconvincingly, mind you, that uh, and just in case you think I'm writing this because I think Trump will do much better in the debates than Joe Biden, that's not why I'm doing this at all. Joe Biden has done just fine. Uh, and by the way, the idea of winning a debate should be irrelevant. Um, and so <laughs> she calls Trump the P.T. Barnum of American politics. Obviously doesn't like him. So, Jim... When uh, everybody's wondering whether Joe Biden can stand on a stage three times for an hour and a half, or at least that's what the format usually is, uh, quite convenient that a lot of folks on the left are saying, you
1: know, let's just not have him. Winning a debate is irrelevant. I'm trying <laughs> to get my head around that in part, Greg, because then why do you do them? I mean, every candidate wants to go out and make the best case for themselves that they can, and particularly for a general election. You want to go out there, and to the extent that there's anybody out there who's undecided, you want to go out there and say, "Hey, I'm the right person for this job. Here's what I want to do. Here's my record that proves that I can get it done. Vote for me." And oh, by the way, the other guy is full of hot air. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. He, you know, can't get it done. His record is full of mistakes and bad judgments and scandals and all that stuff. You know, like, look, you she left scratching your head. What what does she think debates are there for? I think it's very interesting that she cites complaining about Reagan. I mean, she's upset about all the quips. Um, do you think, Greg, she submitted that op-ed after Obama said uh, the 80s cold? They want their foreign policy back. <laughs> uh, when discussing Russia in, in 2012, did the, the, the op-ed page just didn't run that piece that day? Okay. By the way, I, I, it's, what's interesting is that I would have said. Uh, yeah, Biden did not look great in a bunch of those Democratic presidential primary debates. He, he, you can argue he did well against Ryan. You can argue, actually, quite a few folks think he actually didn't do well against Sarah Palin. Some of that might be uh, the expectations game. You know, that Sarah Palin was this uh, neophyte who'd never been on the debate stage before. And everybody, you know, Biden had been in the Senate since, you know, since Adam and Eve. And the expectation was, OK, he should mop the floor with her. He really didn't. And, you know, so most of oh, OK, Sarah Palin was pretty good in that debate. But let's face it. You know, Biden's gotten older. He, he doesn't. And, you know, both his appearances in his Delaware basement on Zoom and on YouTube. Uh, you ain't black. You know, there's there's a bunch of reasons to have some some, you know, un- uncertainties about how Biden would perform. Now, it's worth noting the president himself is not exactly Cicero either. Trump is going be every bit as unpredictable. Trump's mouth can get himself into trouble um this idea that it's a guarantee that donald trump is going to go out there and mop the floor with joe biden doesn't strike me as uh, extraordinarily well-founded but democrats sure act that way which makes me think that hmm, maybe they're they, they're a little more nervous than they're letting on and the other intriguing thing is like what is the one thing donald trump does really well he attacks he went into that debate uh with hillary clinton three debates with hillary clinton and people kind of expected Hillary Clinton, because she was so much smarter and so much more experienced. And, you know, he was, as you said, this P.T. Barnum charlatan. And it didn't really shake out that way. There was a debate that was held right after the Access Hollywood tape. And I think that was the one where Trump had the quip, you know, you'd be in jail. And it just kind of just kind of stuck to her. And it was very clear Hillary Clinton thought she was prepared, but did not go out and do the job. Uh, the way she wanted to, or the way she expected to. It's really not crazy to think that something similar could shake out with this one. I do think it's interesting that the New York Times op-ed chose to run this uh, this piece with this headline, which I suspect in a lot of people's minds will legitimize the argument, ah, there's just no point in holding the debates this year. And I also think it's very interesting that her argument is not focused on health. Look, you know, assumably you have the president, you have the, you know, you have former President Biden, you at least need camera guys. I assume you need more than one camera guy. You need a moderator. You can try to keep everybody six feet away, but probably even if you try to keep, you know, uh, Joe Biden hermetically sealed away from everybody else for the duration of this campaign, in the course of doing that debate, it's probably going to expose him to more people than almost any other event uh, that he does since this pandemic has kicked in. Maybe if you're Joe Biden, maybe that looks a little that looks a little nervous. You got to be really worried about Joe Biden catching the coronavirus and how he'd pull through. So... Um, I actually think there is a stronger argument for uh, uh, holding the debates maybe remotely or in two separate rooms or however you want to shake it out. But uh, interesting that the prominent Democrats in the New York Times op-ed page suddenly feel a, a strong compulsion to argue there shouldn't be debates this fall. Exactly.
0: And it's obvious why she brings up Reagan, because, I mean, he's the only Republican, certainly president and really nominee, in most of our lifetimes, who could speak in complete paragraphs? I mean, look at 1960—the TV debate, by and large, helped Kennedy. That's kind of how history has decided that. Then we didn't have any till 1976, and that's when Gerald Ford left the impression that Eastern Europe wasn't under Soviet domination. Uh, then you had—Bush did pretty well against Dukakis, mainly because Dukakis didn't really care uh, if the guy who hypothetically raped and murdered his wife, would get the death penalty. But then you had Clinton against Bush. I mean, linguistically and rhetorically, that's not a fair fight. Uh, then you had George W. Bush, uh, well, Bob Dole in between there. And then you had Obama against McCain and Obama against Romney, which was more of a fair fight. Uh, so it's not that often that the Democrat might be the underdog rhetorically in these things. And so all of a sudden now they they think it's a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, by the way, you, know, you can probably make an argument that a couple Democrats lost debates that Republicans did not necessarily win. Um, I think you could point to, you know, uh, Al Gore making that weird, mo- you know, marching over to Bush's side of the stage. Um, and then the second one was also just John Kerry and his general personality may have lost the debates for him. But, you know, George W. Bush was not enormously eloquent and then all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's very intriguing here. And the interesting is that Trump wouldn't win that way I just figure that Trump, with sheer force of personality, could make Biden appear confused. It would look very
0: weird, even in a pandemic, if Joe Biden decided that he didn't want to do this. Uh, uh, Then you got the Trump campaign saying they want more debates and to start earlier because early voting actually starts in a number of states before the first scheduled debate. So this will be a fun fight over the next few weeks. But, uh, Jim, we'll be back tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget our friends over at CarShield. Make sure you don't have to pay a lot for that next major car repair at CarShield.com and use the promo code Martini to save 10%. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review. Get us on those home devices and join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
1: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in.
0: 18 plus.